so much for joining us today. I'm super excited that you're here. Now, disclaimer, after you hear about my guests, I don't know if you will share in my excitement. Let's take a time traveling trip, <laughs> shall we? This is middle school for me. So McLaughlin, shout out to now they're McLaughlin Middle School. At the time, they were McLaughlin Junior High. Okay, let's take a trip down memory lane. I have done something stupid. I'm sure we've all done it, especially in middle school. And I get sent to the principal's office. Big desk, big blotter in front of me, you know, with the pins and all that. And he's just sitting there with this just disdain and this ill repute and this just hatred almost towards me. And he looks at me and he said, son, what are we going to do about this? And I'm thinking to myself, you ain't my dad. Why are you calling me son, sir? And sir seems not even worthy of that. But I'm in the principal's office and I feel a little bit today like we are in the principal's office. Help me welcome my new friend, Jethro Jones. Jethro, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to be here and chat with you today. Now, it is true, you are a principal in principle, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I was a principal. I'm now a full-time consultant and author and podcaster, speaker, all that stuff. Was a principal. It's funny you start with that story. One of my goals as a principal was to remove that awful feeling of going to the principal's office. Well, I, I think there's a couple of offices you never really want to walk into. The principal's mm -hmm. office being one. I've heard the pastor's office is two, probably close, like for a second, <laughs> maybe. And then a lawyer's office might top both of those. I would definitely least prefer going into a lawyer's office, being summoned there. Now, going of my own choice, totally different, but being being summoned anywhere is kind of annoying to me. I'm not going to lie. Well, right. I mean, and again, I'm sure everyone has a crazy principal's story. So small story on me. We had carpets replaced at my office at work. And, you know, I have a desk. I have my own little office area and, and a door and everything. I, I never liked how the desk was situated in the room because people would come in. There's a desk. I would sit behind the desk and then there were some chairs in front. You can kind of visually maybe picture that. And I thought to myself one day, I thought, you know, I'm tired of having this desk between us. Mm -hmm. So I moved it. So now I kind of sit sideways. When you come into the room, I sit sideways. And so people are kind of at my, I guess you could say nine o'clock if you're looking at a clock. Mm -hmm. Actually just happened yesterday. She said, I love the fact that there's nothing between us. And I said, tell me more on that. And she mm -hmm. said, I've been in so many places, so many offices, and they're sitting behind this big desk and this big chair, and it's so intimidating. And, you know, as a woman, when you come into an automotive situation, you want less barriers, not more barriers. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it worked. Exactly what I wanted worked. And I was like, oh, yes. So I say all that to say, as a principal, I know this is kind of non-related to us, but sort of maybe. Did you ever feel like students had that perception when you walked in, like, here he is sitting behind, maybe you didn't have a big desk or I don't know, maybe describe that if, if that was you or what, if that wasn't you, I don't know. Yeah, well, I made the exact same changes that you made. I moved my desk so it was out of the middle of the room that it was up against the wall and then people could come in, they could sit next to me at the desk or at a table that was in the office. That was a really important thing for me that I was never 
sitting behind a desk with someone on the other side. My first principal position, I did not do that. That was an assistant principal position. And then when I became a principal, that was one of the first things that I did was move my desk so that I could be more open so that people could approach me more easily. I found that that had major benefits in a lot of different ways, not just making people feel more comfortable, but also making people talk more and open up more because they didn't have that feeling of here's this mean guy sitting on the other side of the desk, unapproachable, uncommunicative. And I didn't want that feeling. Having been a punk kid myself, I knew what it was like, knew that I could change some things. Yeah, I just think there's there's value in what you're saying there. 100%. All right, well, let's get into you and your shoes. So my favorite question, of course, to ask is this, what size shoes do you wear? Interestingly enough, I recently learned that I've been wearing shoes that were too small my whole entire life. I actually wear a size 12, which is crazy because I'm not that tall, but apparently my feet are large. Getting a size 12 pair of shoes has made my feet feel more comfortable than ever in my life. What led to that discovery? I went to a place called, I think it's called Fleet Feet. I think it's a chain. Here's the other interesting thing, Neil. I went to that place in August to get new shoes, and it's now March. And I have only had to retie my shoelaces one time that entire time because I don't, I just slip feet into my shoes. I, I haven't had to retie the shoelaces except for once. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I rarely tie my shoes. So there's that. Yeah. I think hmm. it's, I don't know why. I just have always liked kind of the, the slip on style with the, with the lace appearance. I do get teased a lot because my shoes aren't tied. You know, back in high school, we never tied them. We made them look like they were tied, but they were cinched enough that they had the laces kind of poking out the sides. That was the thing to do. And I think I still do that to this day. I have some like elastic shoelaces that you can just put in and they, they stay. They stay snug without being tied. I've really enjoyed those, but I didn't I haven't used those in these new shoes yet because the woman who put them on my feet did such a perfect job of tying them that I haven't needed to retie them at all, except for that one time, which is just incredible to me. And so on that kind of same shoe thread or lace, perhaps, <laughs> what brand are these shoes? Are they are they like a name brand? Are they kind of an off brand? Are you kind of one of these shoe nuts that has like millions of pairs or like you're oh. like my friend Eric Nevins out in Colorado who wears Clarks, which no judgment, but Clarks for real. I'm so much not a shoe guy that I don't even know what brand these are. If I'm wearing dress shoes, then it's only Echoes. Echoes. I've never heard of those. They're amazing. Cole Hahn seems to be a, a leading candidate a lot of times. Yeah, I haven't had those either. My echoes lasted for two years while I was in Russia. So that's a that's a pretty high bar to manage walking a lot and not wearing out ever. So echoes all the way. That's fun. I've never heard of echoes. I'm gonna have to check those out. I am a shoe nut. As I mentioned, my my birthday has uh, since passed and I did buy some Jordan 4s oh, so nice. for my birthday. I bought my own birthday present. It's <laughs> probably terrible, but I did. I have done that for a lot of years. I've just, my wife always gets mad at that. She's like, just, just let people buy you a present. I'm like, they can't do a good <laughs> job. I know I'm exactly the only one that can do a present. Yep. 
yeah, let me just get what I want. Just hand me the money and we'll just call it good. And I do the same for her. Like I just tell her, just get what you want. And we'll just wrap it up and say it's your birthday present. So getting into you and your story, when I started brainstorming and really thinking about this season and, and just as we're kind of kind of bringing the plane in for landing, you know, we got a little bit left in this season. But you came to us from really, I, I think, a very fun guest that we had on. Dr. Danny, the reading guy. I've gotten a lot of feedback on his episode, partly because I took the show notes and I reversed them. Yeah. And then I called the episode Can't Read. And then I had a friend of mine in Texas reach out and he said, I don't even know what you did here. I'm blown away yeah. just by your show notes alone. And I thought it was pretty clever. You know, I discovered this thing that would, you know, reverse lettering. And I thought, man, this is this is fun. I'm going to make it hard for somebody mm -hmm. to read. But partly on purpose because Danny's so, you know, focused on that. And that's kind of his platform, which is great. But he recommended us to you. And he said, man, you got to get this guy on. He has a wealth of stories, a wealth of stuff. And then you and I had obviously a preliminary chat. But what about the footprints thing for you was most attractive? I think for me, understanding that there are things that have happened in my life that I can go back and relive. And I'm exceptionally grateful that I went through them despite the fact that they were so hard at the time. The future was so uncertain at the time, but I still had this wonderful opportunity to learn and grow. I I wouldn't go back and change those things for anything. Is there a specific moment that you feel like maybe has created that impact or that footprint? I mean, imagine just with your yeah. years of education and then your years post-education, maybe a single moment or a couple of moments that you look back on and you say, man, if this didn't happen, I don't know if I would be in this spot. I don't know if I would be in this this atmosphere or this area where I can again bestow upon maybe positivity on the world. Because let's face it, I mean, maybe I'm alone in this in Oregon. I don't know. I, I don't think I am. But I feel like every time I turn around, there's something negative. There's, there's a people group or there's a faith group or there's somebody group that's being attacked or somebody's being marginalized. I mean, listen, let me just be candid here. The transgender movement is one that is getting a lot of press, but I think in the wrong way. And I think there's a lot of negativity surrounding that. There's a lot of hate surrounding that. Now, again, I don't agree with that movement. I want to be clear on that. For me, I still think there's a way to have, whether you agree with the group or not, there's a way to have a positive conversation. I guess that's what I'm after. What happened to you? Is there a way that you took what happened and then have made it into this positive thing or this positive atmosphere or this positive way for folks? This really goes back to my own personal school days that I was, I was a punk when I was a kid. I'd made a lot of bad choices. I was not good at home, not not good at school. And there's there's like a million stories I could tell about that. But what I want to focus on is that my sister saw me struggling and came in at a really important time in my life and said, would you like to come and live with me and change your life? I was 16 at the time, didn't think that I could change and didn't believe that I had it in me. I jumped at the opportunity because I hated living with my parents. I hated everything that was going on. I hated being around them and in the school that I was at and with the friends that I had and didn't think that I could do anything to change any of that. Wanted something different, but didn't know how to get it, which was really the major issue for me personally is I didn't know what I could do to change this and make things better. And my sister really was a lifesaver in a very real sense. She gave me a way out that I didn't think I could do 
on my own. I don't think that I've been that person for anyone else. Always been striving to be that person, to give people a way out of a bad situation that I could help with. And so as a as a school principal, that was one of the things that I tried to do is, is help kids figure out how to get out of a bad situation that wasn't like, okay, now you're suspended. What are you going to do? You're not allowed to come to school. How could I help them learn and do better and have new opportunities that they couldn't have before. Well, it's interesting meeting you. Recently, we had we had a car in our body shop of the the district that I grew up in and went to school in. He was the superintendent of that district. And I always saw his name on papers and talks and stuff like that through the years. And I got a chance to talk to him and he's long retired now. His name's uh, Dr. Wisely. And I asked him recently when he was you know, we had a chance to, while well, he was bringing his car in, I said, hey, when you hire teachers, what do you look for? What do you want in an educator? And he goes, that's a weird question to ask me. I said, well, I said, there, there's a reason. And he goes, why? And I said, because I remember my educational experience. And he goes, and you got some bad ones, did you? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you remember any of their names? I said, of course I do. Mm-hmm. And he said, do you remember the good ones? And I go, well, yeah. And he goes, tell me this. He goes, how many years were you in my district? And I was like, well, let me see doing the math. I was like, um, I think I was there eight years. He goes, okay, in the eight years you were in my district, how many good teachers did you have? Five. And he said, so you went to high school? I said, yep. And you went to middle school? Yep. And you went to elementary school? Once. One year. And I said, yep. And he said, and you had five? I said, yeah, I think. That sounds good. And he sat back and he said, that's sad to me. Mm, agreed. When I say that to you, what what does that invoke? What does that bring about as an educator and, and just in your background and experience? Yeah, pretty similar for me, actually. A lot of people who had talk about that teacher who helped them was supportive and all that. That didn't really happen for me. Most of my teachers, I felt like were against me. One of the things I learned was that school was not designed for me. It was designed for the adults. That is still the case today. I worked very hard to make it so the school was designed for the kids that were there, not for the adults. So I think that that still happens. And I think that there are a lot of factors that go into that, one of which is that teachers are overworked and underpaid, and that's really challenging. Also, I think a lot of teachers become jaded after being in the profession for a while and forget what they're there for. And if you're not the perfect kid for them, then you're pretty much non-existent. I think that that's a real tragedy of our system that that people end up feeling that way because I don't think that's what's good for kids or for them. I don't think that everybody's like that, to be sure. When I see those teachers who are acting that way, then it makes me really sad for the kids that are there in front of them. I asked Danny this, and, and I'm curious about your response. Now, listen, I'm not a Harry Potter guy. I'm not. I, I've never read the books and people make fun of me because I've never read them. They're like, you're missing out on an amazing book. I'm like, listen, I heard it's Star Wars, so I'm good. <laughs> I love Star Wars. I saw a thing on Instagram recently that somebody paralleled Harry Potter and Star Wars. I'm like, oh, so that's what I've been missing. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I've, I've seen that movie. For you, if somehow I could give you maybe a magic wand, I don't know, if mysticism seems silly. Maybe more importantly, if I could give you Jeff Bezos' checkbook for a year, it's an open checkbook. He, he gave me permission. We can spend whatever we want. Because listen, people say all the time, money is the root of all evil. And I agree with that. But I do know money can sometimes make a difference. It can make a change dramatically in a lot of ways. But how would you fix education right now if I gave you that power? Yeah, well, first of all, the love of money is the root of all evil. So that's important to note that if you love money more than people, then that's going to be a problem. And I do think that money can make a big impact. I don't think money will 
solve the problem, but it will certainly help it in a lot of ways. So I think there are a few things that I would do. Number one is I would build a a new type of school. If you remember the TV show Boy Meets World from our younger years, when the modern version was, was released a few years ago, the classrooms looked identical. That is what schools look like, rows of students sitting in schools. And I would change that in a lot of different ways. I haven't talked about this publicly, but I have an idea for what that school would look like. And and so I'll briefly explain it here. But here's what I would do. I would build a, a large strip mall type of place. Around the outside would be all of the shops and stores and everything like that. On the inside would be the actual school. So you'd have a layer between the outside world and the school, and it would be a bunch of businesses. And these businesses, in order to be in that area and in order to to be part of this system, would have to have as a part of what they're doing an opportunity for students to learn from what they're doing there. So let's say there's a barbershop, there's a, a photography place there's a bank, there's a couple fast food restaurants, different things like that. They would have to find a way to include the students in what they're doing. That doesn't mean that they like have to open up for business and kids are working there. I'm not I'm not for child labor. I'm for child learning experiences. You can learn a lot by doing something that actually matters. Regardless of whatever kind of school I would create, it would have to be doing something meaningful. So for example, my daughter just wanted to start a podcast because I'm her dad. So she she sees me with the equipment. She wants to be part of it. And uh, two of my daughters actually have wanted to start a podcast. And so we'll see where this one goes. But she really wanted to get into the Apple Podcasts so that she could find it and people could see it and she could share it. I said, you got to have three episodes before I'll put it in there. So I got to know that you're serious. So she did that. Her interest in doing that and her desire to create more content is much more powerful because it's real than if she was just like, she didn't want to record just to record. She wanted to record so she could share it with people and so that other people could hear it. That kind of stuff really matters. And it's incredibly important. Speaking of Harry Potter, I did reach out to J.K. Rowling to see if she would be on the podcast. She's not said yes yet. There's still time. I know she's active on Twitter, and so maybe maybe I'll float up in her mentions somewhere and she'll see it and say, I could do this. That would be awesome. That's not the point. And it would be a great experience for my daughter to meet someone she wants to be a writer, to meet someone who is a famous writer already. Again, that's that's not the whole point. The fact is she's doing something that matters and is excited about sharing that with others. Well, at least I know that. I do know that J.K. Rollins is the Harry Potter author. I didn't know that, people. Stop with the Harry Potter hate. That's fascinating to me. There's so many little ideas that I'm thinking about there because I'm thinking like you put a real estate office in there, right? Totally. You put in a business development office. You put in, because let's face it, today's kids, I have a 15-year-old. She's going to be driving here in June, and I, I am so just like, as a parent, I'm just petrified of just like, you're really going to be out in the world. Mm-hmm. And we were at dinner recently with some friends and my buddy says to my daughter, he says, Hey, Adia, how do you address an envelope? And I looked at him and I said, what? I said, come on, seriously, bro. He's like, no, just let her answer. I was like, all right. I mean, it's fine. Let's see what, let's see how she does. Thinking she's got this, right? She knows how to do this. And she did kind of struggle with how to address an envelope. And I thought that's, that's basic. 
for me. I mean, maybe that's not basic, basic, but that, I feel like that's like three plus five. It's a little more advanced. Was it basic for you when you were 15? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's the real question that we got to ask here because that's true. The thing is, is the things that we think are basic to us now probably were not basic to us back then. And this is why it's so important for them to have real world experiences, things that matter. I was an English teacher. I taught writing and had kids write things. If I was the only person that was reading their writing, it was made up and fake. If the teacher is the only one who's reading the writing, it's made up and fake. And there's no way around that. The teacher is not an audience that someone wants to write to. So we have to give kids real opportunities. So instead of writing this whatever essay you're writing to me, the teacher, write it to your mom and or friend or cousin or grandparent and tell them about this book that you're reading in a way that is actually real and meaningful because who in the world writes a five paragraph essay today? You don't. Yes, you write persuasive essays and you try to persuade people by what you say and what you do and how you write and things like that. The point is, is that you need a real audience. Otherwise, it is fake and made up. And school should not be fake and made up because learning is too valuable to waste it on things that are fake and made up. Let's have kids have real experiences. So if we can bring those businesses in and they can partner with our kids and find ways for them to be involved and do things and see where it matters to be a good communicator, any one of those businesses needs to be a good communicator. There's power in that. Fact of the matter is, as a middle school teacher, I had 216 kids. 216. When I had that many kids, and the only reason I remember that is because I would need to make copies. And I'd go to the thing and I'd say 216, that gives one for every kid. Nobody's allowed to lose one. And that was really the whole point was I wanted to know exactly who I had. There's no way for me to remember everybody. I do remember some kids and some of them made an impact on me and I'll hopefully remember them for the rest of my life. And the reality is there's no way. There's just no way you do that for 20, 30 years, thousands and thousands of kids. There's just no way to remember them, which again is why it's so important for kids to have real experiences. Their education, their learning, their experiences are way more important than the teacher's experiences. To say that one group is more important than the other because that's not what I believe. We're there in schools for the students. That's our whole purpose. And if our purpose is anything else, then that's that's a problem. It's the same thing that a teacher thinking that they made a huge impact on a student and saying, hey, remember how I spent all that time with you and told you this really great thing and really inspired you? And the kid's like, yeah, I don't remember that conversation. It goes both ways. Sometimes we really pour into kids in ways that you know, we're really sacrificing a lot by spending time and encouragement with them. And other times they don't even know who we are. And to be honest, I don't remember most of my teachers. There was a time when I could remember all my teachers' names and I certainly can't now. And if I saw them on the street, I probably wouldn't recognize them. The only ones I remember are those that really impacted me in a positive or a strongly negative way. Like Mr. Sieber, fourth grade teacher, man, I've, I've wanted to punch that guy my whole entire life. If I saw him, I probably wouldn't do that. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. <laughs> You know, Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory has his list. Uh -huh. I have a list. There's a there's yep. a few. There's so much of a, a need for great education. And there's so much of a need for 
for not just education, but truly knowledge and gaining knowledge, not to puff us up, not to make us seem smarter or be smarter, but really to to learn these life skills that I think we lack so much sometimes. Mm-hmm. In the news now, the, the kind of the cool thing or the new thing, it seems to be like wiping away student debt. Do you mm-hmm. have any thoughts on that as an educator? Colleges have made so much money. Education is expensive. That's all there is to it. Period. End of story. It costs money. To provide great experiences for kids, it costs money. And there's no return on investment there. There really isn't. And so part of the idea of partnering with these businesses is to be able to support them by by giving them a place to be that's going to have traffic, that's going to have opportunities, and for them to be invested in the kids' future. That's really what it comes down to. Canceling student debt, here's my My hot take on that is we are sending a message, and I don't know that it's the right message, that we can just walk away and not have any responsibilities that we that we had before, that we that we should expect somebody else to pay for our learning. And that's the only the only way that you can learn is by you putting in the effort and learning yourself whether that's financially or whether that is you putting in the time and doing it, that is the only way that matters. And to think that you somehow stop learning because you graduate from high school or college is just an asinine belief. It makes no sense at all. Our whole purpose in this life, in my opinion, is to learn and to get better every single day. If you think that that only happens in a school or in a university, you're sorely mistaken. What we're doing right now, somebody listening to this is going to say, wow, that was really impactful because somebody says that about every single one of your episodes. That's that person choosing to use their time to listen and to learn. That's what we all need to do. We all need to figure out a way to continue learning, continue improving and continue growing. And it doesn't stop when we leave a school or a university or or anything. It should be a lifelong pursuit and process. And, you know, when I hear things like, I graduated, now I'm done learning. Oh, that just makes me sick because you're not. (laughs) And you're going to learn the hard way that you're not because you're still going to have to figure things out that school could never teach you, despite my idealized situation of learning through real life experiences. My take on it is kind of similar because I think about it. If I went to Visa, they're everywhere you want to be. I think that used to be their slogan, Visa, it's everywhere you want to be. Yeah. If I took a visa and they gave me some ridiculous credit limit, let's say it's $50,000, which I know college is way more than that. That's maybe a semester. And I just said, okay, I'm going to go to Europe on that 50 grand from visa. And I'm just going to hit all the amazing stuff in Europe. I've never been to Europe, by the way. So I I don't know what, what I would do, but maybe Rome, Italy, Venice, maybe jump over to Germany. Maybe I've heard Barcelona's pretty amazing. Spain's pretty awesome. You know, I hit all these places. Maybe I go to Vietnam, jump over into China since I'm there, go to Ireland, got a shout out to Ireland there. And I come back and I've racked up this maxed out this credit card with Visa fictitiously. Visa's not going to be like, you know what? Come on, Neil. You're such a good person. You deserve to have that wiped away. No, I don't. I made a commitment to Visa to say, hey, I'm going to go get some education. I don't think Visa's going to come along and say, you know what? Don't worry. Somebody else is going to pay your bill. And wiping out student debt's not going to make college more affordable. That's that's the other problem. I think the thing that we really need to look at is whether or not college is actually what 
everybody should do. We've been pushing that for a long time. If college is about you getting a good job and having money for your family, it's not the only way to do it. And to think that it is, is really crazy. Part of the reason why I want kids in K-12 to have real experiences so that they can figure out what they want to do with their lives. Yes, everybody needs to make money. It's not only about that. There's more to life than what your job is. You can have a great job and be successful, not have it be a college education. I know several people who don't have a college education, have a great life financially, are doing wonderful things with what they have. Here in Spokane, where I live, there's a large refugee community. Many of these refugees come from conflicts in Africa, have been through some of the worst things we can even imagine. That's what their life experience has been. They Almost none of them have a lot of formal education, but they speak multiple languages, can communicate effectively, they work hard, they have a great life now because they are in a place where there's so much opportunity. The playing field is, I think, level based on what you are willing to put into it. I see these people who don't speak English as their native language, who are striving as best they can to find success and have this amazing optimism that they can because they're not in the middle of a war conflict where there are literally people with guns that could come into their home and and kill them at any moment. That's what these people live through. They don't have the same experience that you and I have. It's so hope-filling for me to see what they're able to do because of their perseverance and their desires, working hard and trying to figure out how to make life here in the United States work when they come from a totally different country, totally different culture, a totally different way of doing things. It's, it's really inspiring. It gives me a lot of hope for the future. I think there's so many times I know during my education journey that if someone had just said, you know what, Neil, you can do that. You might fail. You might not make it. But you know what? Go pursue it. See what happens. Rather than saying, you know, you're wasting your time. You're never even going to be there. You're never even going to be in the conversation. I remember just out of high school, going to one of our local news stations and begging for a job. I knew I wanted to be on air. And I knew high school, like, I wasn't that naive to think that they're going to hire me just to go do sports, you know, right out of the gate. You know, mm-hmm. I knew that. But I was willing to put in the work. And I even said to that to the guy, I said, listen, I just want to work in your department in sports. Like, I don't care what I'm doing. If it's just getting coffee, I don't care. Like, I just want to be around you as you're doing the sports and creating the environment and creating the highlights and all that. He's like, man, go to school, kid. Go get your education. Come back and see. Me. And I was like, no, I, I, I want to learn based on experience. I know that's my learning style. I know I can do that. You know, school has taught me that. And he's like, again, go get your education, go get your degree in journalism, come back and see me and we'll talk. And I was like, oh, okay. What a I missed never opportunity. Went back, by the way. Yeah. Right. What a missed opportunity. I feel like wherever you are now, Ty Ray, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and look what you're doing now. Now you're on air doing the thing that you want to be doing. Imagine if somebody would have given you a shot. I mean, imagine if you had a new station attached to your school, you could go in there, do anything to figure figure out how you want to do it. I mean, that would be incredibly powerful. Well, we did actually. We had a guy, we had a guy named Mr. Knowles who did exactly that, who found a news station. They did uh, public broadcasting and he got us all hooked up with that. How can people get connected with you? What are you all about? Where can people learn more about your show, what you're about, education, all that fun stuff? How can people do that? Yeah, I think probably the best place is uh, Jethro Jones everywhere. JethroJones.com, Jethro Jones on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. 
Facebook, LinkedIn, all that. I really focus on schools, school leadership, especially, and helping people with that, improving what our schools look like to better serve the students that are in front of us. And that I think would be the the best way to get in touch. I know you're in Spokane, so you have got to have heard about the Gonzaga Bulldogs, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So are you a huge fan of the Bulldogs? We never really talked about this, I feel like. No, we haven't, but it's hard to not be a fan of the Bulldogs. All right. Western Coast Conference champions. They're always entertaining. They're good. It's hard to get tickets to the games, but I've been to a couple. I'm actually a BYU fan myself, and so BYU's had the great opportunity of playing them for the last uh, 10 years or so. I went to their game this year where... BYU had a chance, but just couldn't pull through. That's how it goes sometimes. Gonzaga is pretty awesome. Love watching them. Well, so then you probably remember back in 2017 resonate with you in any way? Yeah, just a little bit. All right. I just want to show you, you know, like show and tell at school. (laughs) Just Carolina. Just show you this. It is broken. It's a cracked vessel, you know, so sometimes, you know, students are broken and we got to put them back together again, but they're still serving a purpose. So we do this thing at the end of the show. It's called senseless. It's just a silly question. It's random. So that's why there's a die in the cup. But we do this silly thing at the end of the show and it's called senseless. I just got to ask one thing. If a teacher's listening or an educator's listening, administrator, whoever they, whatever role they serve in as a teacher, what one advice would you give them going maybe for the rest of the school year and then maybe into the summer and then into the fall? What advice would you give them a nugget perhaps take the students that you're working with find a way to give them a real life experience whatever that looks like for your content area whatever that looks like for the students that are in front of you find a way to make what they're doing very real and meaningful to their life something that where they'll want to do the work not because you asked them to but because it adds value to their life love it all right so i couldn't find a gonzaga cup apparently i'm not allowed to order anything gonzaga related amazon wouldn't let me do it they're like are you sure this is your team i'm like great amazon it's not you're right i knew that anyway i'm gonna roll for you because you're not here so you can't really roll i'm guessing you didn't have like a die just laying around your house surprisingly no i didn't all right so you got number four which is my favorite number and it's this sound it's a sound question so when you hear this sound it always makes you smile i'm not gonna play a sound you're imagining a sound Hmm. when i hear this sound i would have to say it would be the sound of one of my kids laughing no matter what it is if they're laughing it takes takes whatever mood i'm and they that brings a smile to my face that's awesome oh i thought it was gonna be like a school bell you know (laughs) no the funny thing is i turned all the school bells off in my schools because i hate school bells they are unnecessary that's another rant for another day. I didn't even know what a school bell was till I moved to Oregon. We didn't have them in California. So the teacher would stand out at recess and blow the whistles. So uh-huh. That's funny. That's how we knew recess was over. Well, Jethro, again, I want to say thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you hanging out with us today. Just giving us an opportunity to, to get in your shoes. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. This is great. Guys and gals, kids and campers alike, that is it. That is all. That is our show today. I don't know about anybody else, but I love the fact that we got to sit with a principal. That's fun. Now, I don't know about you, but when you hear the word or even hear the tone of a principal, what does that invoke for you? How many of you out there had to go to the principal's office? It was a negative thing. Anyone? Show of hands. It was bad. It was rough, right? I'm a principal survivor. 
Maybe we could get shirts made. But think back to that educational experience for you again. Was it a good one? What about you now as a parent? Have you gone to the principal's office with your kids? Is that a whole different experience? Fortunately, we haven't gone there yet with our, with our daughter. Got a couple calls a time or two, but. But I wanna end with this thought, and that's this. How are you giving your young person or the young people in your life this real world, real application life experience? Because let's face it, you know, we've all heard it said, it's not the teacher's job to train our kids. It's our job as parents. And if you're not a parent, maybe this is you to say, okay, what real world application can I learn today? What can I start? We're in an unprecedented time where we can learn, we can gain education, we can experience things like no other. Food for thought as we get out of here. And don't forget this. Please do not ever forget. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.